And we're back. Hello and welcome to Elgamer the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah, and my guest today is, introduce yourself, good sir. Yeah, uh, Jason Anthony, voice actor, uh, uh, originally from the UK, now based out in Los Angeles. So how was the move from going from the UK to Los Angeles? Like, what was that like for you? It's a, it's a pretty big commitment. I think I, I broke it down into stages, starting off with kind of like just a two or three week kind of recce, uh, see the lay of the land. And then I came out for six to eight weeks. Um, I was doing an acting uh, course out here um, during that time. And that's, I think, when I made my mind up that I'd really like a, a more of a long term uh, spell out here. So you go for the first visa. Um, and then, um, as I've discovered with most Brits that come out here, they pretty much then just stay. So it went from visa to green card to US citizen uh, in uh, in 2015, all over about a 15 year period. No, congrats. Um, that, Thanks. I, I, I mean, it's it's a long leap, I know. But, um, yeah. you know, a lot of people are like, hey, you know, you got to be in L.A. because that's where everything is. That's where all the animation and video games and everything is there. So, you know, you kind of need to be there to to work. So, yeah, it's a it's a good point to bring that up, because definitely in years past, that has been the situation. But there is an awful lot going on now around the rest of the world. I mean, France has a. It's a huge animation industry now. Um, in in Ireland, there's a huge uh, animation industry. So the work is being kind of farmed out around the world now. But certainly there are still core, you know, video companies, Nickelodeon animation companies, Cartoon Network, that still, of course, are based in, in L.A. But it's not quite as, you know, uh, critical to be in L.A. as it used to be. Well, yeah, especially nowadays with everything being recorded from home, you can just be anywhere in the world and you can just basically record record there. And it's like, you know, if you have a decent enough setup and, you, you know, you can work with Source Connect, then there you go. You don't need to be in L.A. No, not specifically. I know with a lot of, the, you know, of course, with big Marvel projects, Warner Brother projects, um, Blizzard, those those kind of giants of the industry, they made it work for COVID um, in the home studios, but the material is so top secret that they they really don't like to outsource that stuff, um, you know, which I totally understand. So they definitely really like you to come to their studio and they keep it all in-house and um, no data leaks or anything like that. So, uh, but yes, there there is still a lot you can do from from your home studio for sure. And uh, speaking of home studios, like, did you have a home studio set up? You know, when when everything hit the fan, or did you, you know, uh, go? Yeah, no. Home? Yeah, I've I've had fortunately I've had a home studio for for many years now. Um, I I had one. I was back in the UK for a short period back in. 2012 2014 uh, so i had one there and and then i've had one here for uh, you know many years um now so i was already set up it wasn't quite the shock for me as it was for a, a lot of actors and you know on camera actors voice actors it was a bit of a scramble let's say <laughs> well yeah because um and i mentioned this before i mean if you if you're a long time listener i apologize but um 
you know, uh, some people I talked to did not have home studios set up when the pandemic hit. So they had to like rush and get everything together because like we didn't know this was coming. We didn't, we didn't know no. that this was going to be a thing. <laughs> no. And you know what? I, I, I mean, I helped quite a few people set up studios and stuff. And I think now certainly people have a much greater appreciation of what is really behind um audio as a as a collective on, on how difficult it is to just get good pure clean audio oh no like i can attest to that because sometimes yeah. i i re, i re-listen to some episodes and i'm like man i ah, <laughs> i right, hate listening I to this <laughs> yeah no it's um it's I, I think the technology now has come a long way since I first started. So, but it's creating the room, as you know, it, it's all about the environment and how sensitive. I mean, I'm, I'm working with a Neumann U87, which is kind of a, a industry standard microphone across the world. It's a, a beautiful bit of German engineering. But what comes with that is it is so sensitive that I've had to up my um studio quality because of just because of the microphone because it's so sensitive now i remember having to uh i was recording an episode last year and like someone outside was you know <laughs> the guest uh was using like a normal uh, usb mic and it picked up everything like there was like an entire section that i had to cut out because someone outside was uh there was some background noise outside and I'm like, do you want to stop? Cause uh, I can't, right. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, really it, you know, I've got a, a, a beautiful kind of whisper booth. Um, and even then a plane, a helicopters, we, we get low flying, you know, uh, police helicopters. You still will pick that up. Um, you know, it's just the nature of the beast, but you know, what was really lovely though, in, in terms of, how the industry all rallied during during covid was that everyone was just so forgiving and just so easygoing i i was doing recordings for disney i was doing some stuff for call of duty all in my home booth because we had no choice but everyone was just really relaxed and was like no problem we've allowed extra time and let's just do that again <laughs> without the helicopter <laughs> I mean, it was a steep learning curve. I'm not going to lie, because yeah, I, yeah. a lot of people were like, you want me to do what now <laughs> from home? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, and now, you know, this is why I say people have had such a great uh, um, appreciation now for what the engineer does, what the script supervisor does, um, because all of those things now were, were all on us. And we had to make sure all the levels were good and there was no spikes or pops and you know, it's, um, yeah, as you say, a very sharp learning curve. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I said this before many times, but the audio engineers, they were the real heroes of the pandemic because they, they made everything sound good. Ugh. And I still, to this day, look back at some of the, stu the shows that are recorded uh, during pandemic times and just realizing, oh, man, those people weren't even in the same room together. They were all recording from Zoom or whatever yeah. and it's and it just sounds so good <laughs> i tell you what it's it's like having a great editor on a movie they can make or break a movie with the edits and the sound the sound engineers i have so much respect because without great sound you don't have a great project you don't have a great movie the soundtrack 
the foley work with all the you know the footsteps and the sound effects and the doors closing the audio the dialogue whew, it um yeah it, it's got to be fantastic otherwise it just lets everything else down um, you've been involved in a lot of big projects. Does it ever get overwhelming to be like, oh, man, I'm doing this for Disney or this for Warner Brothers? Does it get like, does it does it ever get weird? It's like, is this is my life now, I guess. Um, no, it's it just this, this childlike excitement. Um, you know, I was just on, on the Disney lot um, uh, last week and... I tell you, I'm just like this giddy child. Uh, it never goes away. I think it's this constant kind of gratitude and excitement to have these opportunities. And, and I never take it for granted. Um, and when you have that little kind of uh, tingling excitement in, in your belly, you, you know you've made the right decision and, and all of the sacrifices and things that you've had to make to get there um you know it, it really does reflect when you step into these stages and you step into these projects it's like wow <laughs> this is fantastic yeah and out, and out of all the things you've done which rich role would you say was your hardest hmm that's a good question none of them might none of them are particularly hard some of the voices can be quite challenging i did some work on on warhammer i just came out in in warhammer 3 uh that's just released and i was in warhammer 2 and i i played teclas which was a you know a a, a, a a kind of a prince you know so that voice wasn't taxing but i remember playing the skaven which were these uh uh rat-like um uh villains you know and and that voice was very very challenging i wouldn't say there's any particular role because that that always sticks out to me as mike i mean i lost my voice it was a really brutal session but i, I wouldn't say there's any particular voice that stands out in general uh, and you know your listeners will probably know this in general with video games there's an awful lot of dialogue like it'll be a hundred times more than an animation series or, or, or anything like that, or a movie, um, just because, you know, they're um, allocating voice lines for every scenario. So, you know, the video games in general are probably the most challenging and taxing, sometimes because of the voice and sometimes because of the volume of the lines and sometimes because of both. So... I always say to to people thinking about voice acting and, and video games, please choose a voice that you can sustain for four hours um, because it's a lot. There's always a lot of recording for for voice actors, especially in Call of Duty, where you're yes. doing efforts for God knows how long. I know, yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned about efforts. Um, I'm trying to do some posts on TikTok to to give people some idea of our, you know, our our life and what's involved. And I recently did a video about efforts that it's a specific times allocated in a in a voice session for video games to do all those grunts, groans, breathing, jump sounds, death cries, screams, injuries. And they're all collected in like this sort of 
half hour, 45 minute workout. I mean, if you're not sweating after that, you're not doing it right. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a vocal, physical workout to do all those um, effort sounds. And as you said, Call of Duty has got those in, in, in droves. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of Call of Duty, um, how did you get involved in that? And did you do the, the performance capture or was it just the voice? Yeah, I actually just did the voice for that. Um, they did, um, obviously, you know, my character, Otter, um, has motion capture. But um, they didn't need me for that. So they have some set uh, uh, motion capture actors to do those nonverbal um, uh, physical uh, uh, um, things. Um, but um, no, mine was uh, mine was all voice recorded. Um, I was basically just, you know, here in L.A. It's it's that. That's definitely a scenario where being in L.A. was a plus because uh, they don't reach out um, outside really of, of L.A. Uh, much. And um, yeah, I got I got a call to do a generic kind of um, uh, SAS soldier. Didn't know much about him. I did the audition, which is unusual. I did the audition for that about six months before I actually booked the session. I'd actually forgotten all about it. Um, and then just got called in. I had no idea. This is one of those projects that's always very, very top secret. Um, I had no idea it was for Call of Duty till I actually got into recording the session. Um, yeah, so that that was a, a classic case of uh, code names and top secret, um, you know, NDAs, non-disclosure agreements and all that stuff. And was it weird seeing it for the first time and hearing yourself in that? Um, I think I've got past that weirdness. It's always really cool to to see it actually in game or or in the movie or in the in the TV series or on a commercial. It's always like, ah, oh, that's I get it. Because sometimes you lose some of the context. You know, you try and paint this picture around you when you are performing, but when you actually see it all together, it's always, oh wow, oh okay. That makes sense now. That's what they were doing. Or oh wow, that looks that 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 looks good. Uh, yeah, those that is that sort of uh, aha moment. Yeah, because it never occurs to you that oh that that's a person doing the voice because you're just in awe of like the animation or the or exactly the whatever. When it's all yeah, when it's all put together, uh, you know you're you you feel like a small cog in a very big machine. You know. Um, and we we come in sometimes we come in and we're one of the first things in a in a production uh they get the voice video games perhaps not quite so much and definitely call of duty we were came in right at the tail end uh of that production uh because i think shortly after i wrapped recording otter's lines the the game was released three months later um that's not always the case but um you know, but with animation uh, series and movies, we're often the first people in, and then everything uh, revolves around our our performance and voice lines. Because they're animating um, off of your voice. I mean, prelay is basically you know the anim- You know, you go into a booth and you record, and uh, people are uh, animators are are. Um animating based off of your voice it's not like dubbing where the animation is already done and you have to come right. in and, and dub it into a into a foreign language yeah yeah exactly uh one of the projects i'm working on 
at the moment. I have done some motion capture for, um, but obviously COVID hit right in the middle of production. So they had to farm out a lot of the um, motion capture to uh, Canada. And so more recently, I've been doing quite a bit of ADR, dubbing in my character lines over um, a, a performance, motion capture performance. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very much after the fact. That's pretty weird. Like, yeah, <laughs> scenes, it is. Are, scenes are already done and you have to like just ADR them. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, it's tricky. It's an art form. I mean, you know, uh, uh, these, as I say, the credit to these engineers, they're amazing, but there's only a certain amount they can do. They can do a little bit of sliding, but it's pretty much, you know, you're talking, you know, half a second. So performance wise, um, it, it is, uh, it's a tricky line because you still want to stay in character and deliver your performance but at the back of your head, you know you've got to also match the other actors' beats and timing so that technically it all matches up and they can slot you in over their lip sync. It's also tough when you're trying to um, dub a fight scene and you only have like a couple seconds to do it. <laughs> yeah, some yeah, some of it some of it goes really smoothly, and then others where you think, oh my gosh, that's only a couple of you know two or three uh, words or something but um again it it can just take take longer because of the the technical aspect of it so yeah that's definitely way more challenging and and i would say fairly unprecedented really because um as i say i went on to do some motion capture uh, at the end of last year and that and that was fine it's my voice it's my uh, performance and and that's it um but yeah, it's fairly unprecedented to have to do ADR over somebody else's mocap performance because, you know, uh, there we were in, in the height of, uh, of COVID. So we really didn't have uh, a, a lot of choice. And, you know, production's got to move on. So credit to them. I mean, it was either that or just production shuts down completely and, you know, you just lose your job. Yeah. And, and you know... It's it's pretty incredible how certainly the, the movie industry has navigated these uncharted uh, waters. And, you know, I, I, I know it came to light, I think, about Tom Cruise and, and keeping his Mission Impossible movie going. And, you know, I thought it was a little unfair to, to you know, to portray him in anything other than a, a positive light. I know he had that a bit of a meltdown on set, but... When you think of what he's trying to do and, and how he's trying to navigate and keep all these jobs going and keep his production going, you know, it, it's pretty incredible. I mean, the not only the financial implications, but just the 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 day to day mechanics of dealing and getting actors in and, and crew in safely to work on a production. It is it's pretty overwhelming. Let's put it that way. Now, um I you know that you bring up a great point in that um live action stuff took a while to get to get back go uh, to get to get going again because people forget uh, now it's like oh whatever covid is like you know not 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 as big as it was 2 years ago but man back when we didn't have vaccines and people weren't social distancing uh, it was it was oof oof yeah well it definitely there was a period of a couple of months where just like everything else Everything shut down. Everything. The 
the gates to Warner Brothers and Disney shut, closed, you know. Uh, and then it was kind of a rally to to figure out how we can do this and how we can do it safely. Um, you know, and those protocols are still in place uh, as we speak. Um, I, I'm not sure if they're going to be lifted fairly soon. Um, but, yeah, it was just a, basically uh, took a, a while to rally and, and get in some, you know, the protocols that... Um, you know, would get everyone in and out as safely as possible. And of course, you heard about the bubble. I think, um, uh, I think that wasn't there just a movie just came out on Netflix called The Bubble, um, about just that about actors having to stay in a hotel for two weeks. And they, the crew created this whole insular bubble, so nobody was allowed in or out. And, and once you had your crew and your actors in, that was it, and then you got on with your production. So it was pretty extreme, pretty extreme measures to to keep things just moving along, you know. Now, I remember having someone who said that they shot a pilot like that, where they where they went to this like giant bubble and <laughs> it was just like a few people and you just can't, went in there, filmed yeah. your scenes and then you just left. Yeah. Yeah. But you had to do that two week uh, bubble because, again, we didn't, you know, that was the quarantine period at that time. So you had to do that to clear yourself. And then you went on to production, on to set. And if you're two or three days, that was it. You were done. But you had to be prepared to do that first. It still amazes me looking looking at all the stuff that's coming out now and just realizing, oh, man, they had to film that during COVID and some of it know, is no, right? some of it's no, noticeable, but so, yeah. you know, again, it's it still is amazing. Like watching a lot of newer movies and realizing, oh man, they had to shoot this during COVID. Uh, I don't know how I they know. did that. Yeah, that's ex- Abdullah. That's exactly what I've been thinking. Everything that comes out, I'm like, did they shoot that through COVID? I mean, some of them, as you say, it's like there's often only two or three actors in a scene, and you're like, oh, there's no extras. Um, you know, and that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, Marvel and Disney are just still cranking content out. And I'm just like, wow, how, well, we know how they did it, but it's just an extra credit on on how they had to navigate that as well as just the production um, pressure as well. Yeah, no, uh, the, Bat- the Batman, I that, that was just, oof, that, that was... Just, just incredible film, and I'm, I'm just in awe that just thinking that, oh man, that was shot during, during COVID. Wow, I didn't yeah, even notice. I ha- yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but from what I have seen, and anything that kind of carries that blockbuster title, you know, it just involves so many thousands of people, um, and there's no, there's no short way around that. You can't say, well, let's you know, let's uh, maybe half the amount of people. No, because it wouldn't come out till probably 2030. So, you know, anything that's uh, still considered a blockbuster is like, you know, like Tom Cruise with the Mission Impossible film, getting through a blockbuster film like that is just, wow, that's incredible. Yeah, um, Tom Cruise has always been that guy who, again, got in trouble a lot because he would always insist, I want to do my own stunts. And and the production people are like, you can't Please. do that, Tom. You can't. <laughs> I know. That guy's incredible. I mean, he's, um, you know, the Maverick film coming out. I mean, that's him in that cockpit. You know, he might not be flying the thing, but he's up there uh, pulling all the Gs and doing evering. I mean, that guy, he's I don't there's nobody like him really. 
I don't know how they get insurance for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it must be so expensive just to, to get him on oh, set because it's like, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> I mean, and I, I love him for it because, I mean, when he's jumping from rooftop to rooftop and that's actually him on a wire, I mean, yeah, you could digitally do it now, you know, uh, he knows it's him. We know it's him. And it's just, it just makes the, um, it makes the experience so much more real and believable, you know? Now, I don't remember which Mission Impossible it was, but there was a plane sequence that was shot in real time. And I was just, Oh yes. Ghost oh. Protocol, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah unbelievable. And he was actually strapped to an AC 130. I think it was taking off. I mean, <laughs> even suggested that <laughs> i'm pretty sure that wasn't even the script i'm pretty sure that was just tom cruise saying look i i, I have this idea and i want to do it <laughs> wow and you know what when i first watched that i was like gosh they're getting so good at this green screen you would swear that's him on the outside of that plane <laughs> and and it was uh, now, I remember uh, Burj Khalifa, when, when he went to Dubai and to do that stunt, everyone was like, that that can't be Tom Cruise, is it? <laughs> that can't be right, Tom Cruise. Right. But it was. Right. Yeah. And it's still surreal to me that that happened. And I know. <sighs> like, you know, say what you will about, you know, Tom Cruise as, as a person, but like it, it, he, he commits to everything. <laughs> I tell you what, as in terms of an entertainer and, and a, a movie maker and actor, I mean, he's just been relentless. I mean, he has not stopped that guy. He has not stopped. You know. And, uh, and keep in mind, he's 60, by the way. He's in his yeah, 60s. Yeah, he's pushing it, isn't he? Isn't he pushing nearly 60? I think he's pretty close. Yeah, incredible. 60 and he's still doing this stuff. It's just um, unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, he must have some good painkillers or... or something because wow that takes a toll yeah um and speaking of like taking taking a toll um how do you prevent vocal damage um you do some warm-ups um i mean we're not like you know we're not like singers in that sense um i think you know when we do those effort let's say for instance with a video game because of the the amount of dialogue and stuff um they they'll always save the shouts and effort noises to the end of a session so you've kind of got like three or four hours of your vocal cords kind of warming up just doing your voice lines and you know and that sort of stuff so we're, we're not like a singer in the fact that we come in and it's like boom you know you're already taxing your vocal cords so We'll do a little bit of warm-up sometimes. I don't do as much as I should, um, but um, we'll do a little bit. But generally, yeah, they, they're very considerate of actors' voices, and now I think they'll only even do all those effort sounds. I think they'll tap it out at, like, 35, 40 minutes, um, you know. So that's that's the time to basically make sure you've got plenty of fluids, um and you know those those guttural sounds are coming from the gut and not you know in your throat kind of thing so there's a few few things you can just be aware of but uh generally you know we we walk in and out and i think just the session and delivering lines helps you kind of warm your voice up depends if you've got an early session too 
you know. Um, and and um, how how long does it usually take you? I mean, does does it usually take you like four four hours to do to do like a normal video game, or do you take longer? It's it it's, it all depends. Um, I get the, you know have the scripts in advance and do some some work on them. I don't do too much because that's why you have a director. I think our job is to come in, have a very good grasp, <clears throat> even though, of course, with all the projects, we're working off a script. We don't have to learn them, but equally, we have to be very familiar with them, um, and, which is what I like to do, and, and just go in with some ideas, you know, but don't be fixed in, in a performance. I'm going to do it this way, and I'm going to do that one that way. Because that's why you have a director and, and they'll steer you, uh, you know, sometimes out of the gate. That's what they want. And, and it's great. And sometimes they'll give you a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more clarity uh, on, the, on the scene and the situation and who you're talking to and how far away they are. See, these are all things we, you know, are, are just good to know am i talking to this person three feet away 10 feet am i whispering so all those things will sometimes be in the script but it's it's i, I guess it's relevant on the project it's relevant um on you know the director the situation um you know and and generally though you get you get it done in a four-hour session and then obviously if there are you know thousands of lines though you, you just keep coming back but Generally, you get through about 300, 350 lines um, in, in a four-hour slot. If they're really short, you might add a, a little bit more to that. But, yeah, gen generally, that's what you're going for. And did, uh, did you ever come back for, um, you know, DLC or extra content for any of the stuff you worked on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Call of Duty's, you know, um, big on that. So, you know, we came back and... We did more lines for Warzone and we did more lines for um, uh, mobile uh, and things like that. Um, I think I did even some, uh, yeah, I did a couple of zombie shout outs for uh, the um, uh, the Haunting of Verdansk. They did a two week, which was fantastic, two week uh, a drop on that for, for Warzone. So I came in and did a few uh, zombie shout outs. Um, yeah, so that's a good example. That's pretty cool. You know, you come in to do some creature voices. That's that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, these were just these were actually zombie shout outs for Otter. Incoming zombies! All that sort of stuff. Go for the head <laughs> Um yeah, so it was um yeah, the zombies I think they just uh they had their own creature sounds for those. Um and these were fast these were fast zombies. There's a big Big difference in zombies, as a lot of people know, across video games and movies. Some are really slow and some are really fast. Uh, and these were really fast zombies. <laughs> uh, don't get don't get people started on that debate again. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Corpses can't run that fast. Uh, zombies aren't real. <laughs> so, right. Then, you know. Yeah, then... Then watch uh, what was it Z Z World or Z World Z World wherever you are with the the, the uh, Brad Pitt zombie movie. Um, geez, they moved fast. I mean, it's just and uh, what was it? Twenty eight days later, like they didn't even say that they were zombies. They just said that they were just 
angry people infected by a virus. So it's like you can't really call them zombies. It's just alluding to zombies. Yeah, zombie-esque. Zombie-adjacent. So, I mean, I kind of wish that people understood the difference, but, you know, it's the internet, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, it's far more exciting gameplay-wise to have these things running, sprinting at you than just bumping heads on trees and things. <laughs> um, do you play any of the stuff you're you're in, or do you just not, you know? I not... don't. I And it's not be- because I don't want to. I just never have been a gamer. Um, uh, I know Chad Michael Collins very well, who plays Alex in uh, Call of Duty. And he's a gamer, um, so he's uh, he's always on Discord and and whatnot, playing uh, you know uh, playing Call of Duty. But no, I I, I never have. Um, they look so awesome, though. I mean, I guess for me now it's just making the time to. Um, but uh, definitely look. I wouldn't last. I mean, watching that Call of Duty, I wouldn't last two seconds anyway. I've told people this. I'm like, I could jump in, but. My gosh, it's it's, it's such a fast pace, uh, you know. It would take me quite a while to get in on, you know. No, I remember back, um, I think, was it back in 2019 when I had someone else who worked on another Call of Duty game and we were talking about it, and I said, look, I mean, if you're going to get into it, remember, like, it's just going to be the typical Call of Duty experience where you go into a match and you just last there you last for like 2 seconds before someone shoots you and then you're just starting to scream obscenities for like an hour yeah especially you got some sniper you can't see and they're just picking you off every time you're in it's like uh you know uh <laughs> yeah i i've seen my fair share people send me a lot of clips and stuff of course with otter in and um coalition teams and stuff like that and i i see it all the time it's it's got to be so frustrating no, because I remember back when I was when I was into Call of Duty back in you know 2019 when I was playing it, yeah. it, it's it's a hard game to get into and and you know my brother used to be huge into Call of Duty when he was a teenager but and I just wanted to ask him like how did you how did you tolerate this like how do you put up yeah. with this because I I can't do it I honestly can't do it <laughs> yeah I de- I definitely have a kind of you know a, a, a stop valve if you like um, and and. Again, it's not very long either, so I would be tapping out pretty quick. But I, I guess it's like you know, you, then then you have to reevaluate. You get your teammates in, you know, you're constantly like, okay, I can't do it this way, I can't go that way. Uh, how do I do this? So you know, I mean, I guess it's um, what one thing I learned, especially over COVID, uh, and and there was a lockdown that this was it became more of more than a video game it you know the sense of community with this game especially with your teammates and uh, and stuff and, and being able to play with people around the world and all just get your headset on and, and jump in i think definitely um helped a lot of people get through this isolation period um so definitely credit to you know um activision blizzard uh, on, I mean, they didn't know either releasing it in 2019. It was, but it was much more well received, I think, uh, because of of uh, lockdown and and everything. Uh, equally, it was a, a great game, and I'm sure it would have gone on to do incredible things. But I think it had that extra value to it over 2020 and 2021. 
No, I remember um, because I I didn't have like a system that that you know could could run it because you know they're they're getting bigger like the this, the file yes. sizes are getting too too sure. big and I'm like I'm not yeah. I, I can't do this I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is a problem. I mean, you know, so that that's why you know the playstations, the consoles, uh, uh, you know, are getting more and more powerful, and as as we get in, jump into these real world um, environments too, you know, the, the um, bandwidth, everything, it's just, everything's increasing. Um, you know, the gamer experience is getting better and better and more realistic, but then equally, you know, it's making a lot of the older equipment defunct. No, I'm, and speaking of technology, like, do you do you think that what we're, uh, does it ever annoy you that you invest money in something and then you realize, oh no, I you know it's outdated in like two years? Does that ever bother you? Um, not really. I mean, it, it's unfortunately it's just evolution, isn't it? I mean, I think there are certain things like this Neumann mic was, uh, you know, an, an expensive microphone, but they haven't really changed that design since it came out in like 67. Um, so I think there are certain things that just will be a, a solid piece of tech that will, you know, that will get you through many, many decades. I think certainly for computers and things, um, you know, I've got a, an iMac here and it's only like probably three or four years old, but it's already showing its age because I'm doing so much more video editing for my TikToks and stuff. So, you know, I, I guess it all de all depends on the user and how they are using the technology. Um, you know, I'm truthfully quite happy how I am at the moment, but I, I know equally, oh, I could just do with a little bit more RAM because the, you know, these uh, videos are taking a long time to render and it's those sorts of things, but you know, it, it is expensive to keep up with it all, you know, um, for sure. Now that's why like, I, I tell everybody who wants to get into the business, like, you know, if you want to, if you're serious about this, understand that it's not a cheap hobby. It's yeah. really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, as again, just my presence on TikTok hearing from, from uh, gamers and stuff, you know, yes, these games are expensive, but compared to the amount of hours played, let's say you spend $12 to go to the movies, you see the film once for two hours, right? Let's say it's three hours if it's Batman. That's 12 bucks for three hours. Well, that's not even going to get you, you know, remotely through any kind of campaign on Call of Duty. Plus, you've got thousands of hours of gameplay so for 60 bucks or 65 bucks the return is is huge in terms of hours played and hours entertained if you like so you know and and equally for us as as voice actors you know people play as otter or alex or whoever uh captain price um and they get used to your voice not just for a two-hour film but over years, like, you know, hundreds of hours of gameplay, they're listening to your performance. So, you know, that effect is right across the board. And it's lovely speaking to fans because they have a really strong connection to your characters. Really strong. I'd probably say even more so than a movie. 
because they've they they're with you every night you're with them every single night every single time they're jumping on uh to play so um yeah i think it 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 is expensive but it's all relative i think in terms of uh hours played and hours entertained now you you make a you make a great point because um i'm a huge mortal kombat fan and i and i remember yeah. and i remember spending I think 300 hours in total in with Mortal Kombat 11 and I so, so I just got used to that to the cast and yeah it's so much so that I had to get as many of them on the show as as I could and I, and I only got like I think eight or nine of them so it's oh, wow, like that's great yeah and it, and it's because it's like I I love you guys like you know I spent so much time with you guys and your voices and your personalities and yeah. all you did with this game and I'm just like I you know want to hang out with you guys and just like you know yeah and and you know what that's so lovely you know we we go in to do these projects we we pretty much say the lines once or twice and that's it but you guys you you know and we add our personalities to the character which which hopefully translate well and so it's always lovely to hear from people that have really got to know your character over those uh hours and hours of, of gameplay so it's a very it's a very different experience as to go into a movie i feel you can watch a movie oh that was really great and you switch off and you've forgotten about it but these are things you know call of duty um mortal Kombat. these are games you're jumping in nearly every night if not every night and you're hanging out with your mates and you know um so it's a it's a very personal experience and I think that's why, like, I love – that's what fascinates me about voiceover is that, you know, you guys bring to life these larger-than, you know, uh, larger-than-life characters, and we just can't even – you know, we just can't even process it sometimes. Like, hey, man. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Voice, is a, voice is, a, is a very mysterious thing, isn't it? And when you actually meet the person and the voice comes out of them, you're like, oh, it, it is – Oh my gosh, that's you! Is an element of like a an extra sort of surprise that it's not just oh yeah that you know I can spot you a mile off that's you know Keanu Reeves or whatever but the voice thing it does have a an, an extra allure about it and and mystique where you're like oh my gosh that I mean I never tire of seeing Peter Cullen and, and Optimus Prime coming out of his his mouth it's like oh my gosh. <laughs> And and another thing that you point out is that um, voice voice actors like you, you were just you know as a fan you're just f familiarized with the voice like I didn't know what Peter mm. Cullen looked like until I was like seventeen yeah you know? yeah I I mean he was voicing that you know Optimus right from you know the start of Transformers back in the eighties you know. Um, and then uh, Michael Bay wanted to, to bring him back and bring that franchise with him. And it had to be Peter Cullen. And I, and I think a lot of people had no idea, no idea, no idea. You know. yeah, I mean, when that movie came out and like, you know, and I was like 17 years old, like the first one you know, back in 2007, I didn't, had no idea what Peter Cullen looked like. I was like, oh, he no. did the voice in like Me the original either. cartoon. Okay. And then I looked at, looked, you know, saw him for the first time. I'm like, that can't be the guy, can it? I know, I know, I know, I know. And and you know what? What the the attraction for me, and I'm sure it is with a lot of other voice actors. Um, it 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 is 
that uh, opportunity to be able to play characters that you physically or age-wise probably wouldn't do if it was live action. Um, you know, I, I mean, I've played a Christmas tree. Um, I've played an SAS soldier. I've played, a, a, you know, numerous princes. I've played a, a sausage, if you can believe that. Um, you know, all these things where you can add a voice to. I even played a droplet of water on a commercial. Um, and, and the minute you add a voice to an inanimate object or a character, it becomes part of you. That is now a connection. Um, and I'm sure Peter Cullen felt the same way about Optimus Prime. It just becomes a part of you. And I often get asked, you know, what's my favorite character? And it's really hard to answer that because they all become part of you and part of it's not just for me. It's not just a part of my career. You know, those are characters that are part of me, that it's my voice. It's my uh, experience. And a lot of my performances come from my own personal experiences with loss, love, pain, anguish, anxiety, all those things. As an actor, we we try and draw upon real life experiences. So, you know, that's why that connection is 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 so strong. And I can't speak for everyone, but certainly for me, that's where I come from. And speaking of uh, the Christmas tree, like how did how did that yeah. come about? I, I really want to know. I gotta ask. Like, how did that come about? <laughs> I know. I tell you what, Abdullah. I it was a couple of years ago now, and we get uh, you know every day we get breakdowns, uh, which is basically like one or two sheets of a new animation coming out, and it'll tell you a little bit about the character and about the story and then the specific character they want you to read for audition for so i get this one and 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 there's a christmas tree on it with a face and i'm like wow okay and i just read through it and they want an an ambiguous kind of age uh they they didn't want to be able to distinguish a certain age with this character because it's a tree it's crossing that line between well it's not a person uh so they can't have an age um so they wanted just a very natural read and i think this is one of those times where you get something and you just think oh that's kind of me like i was just reading it thinking is this childlike quality uh this excitement and loves christmas which i love christmas um and so I just read it and was just, oh, I just want to be dressed up in baubles and bows with bright, shiny lights from my head to my toes. And, and, I, and I'm really not doing much with my voice other than adding a, an element of excitement and um, vulnerability to it. And so I did it and sent it off and, and they loved it. They'd been searching for this voice for, for Piney for a long time and, I guess I was one of the last people in and I know when I spoke to the creator, uh, Jane West Baker Inc, uh, she, she just said, I, as soon as I heard the first line, she said, that's piney. And I think that's how it works with casting. You don't necessarily know what it is you're waiting to hear until you hear it. And this was a, a classic case. So 
you know that that journey started and we went in and recorded and um they did an incredible job animating it this is an independent production company a brand new uh Haylet, um entertainment a brand new entertainment company this is their first animation out the gate they got simon pegg attached to it they got sir jonathan price attached to it they got leslie nickel from downton abbey they got parminda nagra uh bend it like beckham er i mean they just it, it speaks volumes of the the quality of production that they were doing when you get that kind of talent and then you got little old me, <laughs> you know, who's Jason Anthony? I don't know. <laughs> you know, um, that's how I felt uh, compared, you know, compared to, to, to Simon Pegg and Sir Jonathan Price, um, you know. And, and uh, yeah, and that, that was one. I know you asked me earlier, you know, you do your performance and then it was about a year later and you get to see the finished product. And that, that really, really took my breath away. I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow, what a what a beautiful story and what a beautiful V House animation did an incredible job on the animation and and the music. Oh my gosh, the music! Timothy Williams did the score, uh, not related to um, Jonathan Williams, but my gosh, equally brilliant. And they recorded that in Abbey Road in London. Um, you know, just because it was the best place to record a symphony. Um, and it, it all just come together. Uh, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's made its rounds now about 70 countries, uh, around the world and, and counting. So, um, has, has it made it out to you, Abdullah? Did you, uh, did you see it at all? No, I, I, it was never on here. So I, I but okay. I just look, but I just saw it on your website and I'm like, yeah, what it, is it that? Will... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it, it's a beautiful, timeless Christmas classic. You know, um, and I think it, it, you know, it'll be around for a very long time. And as I say, it, it's already come out in 70 countries. Um, so obviously, you know, dubbed in all the different languages as well, which was equally fascinating to hear. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, that that was a, a lovely experience and still is and still a, a growing experience. Does it play during Christmas time or is it just Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Disney Disney bought it here for I I I think they just said we want it. <laughs> so it's played out here in the last last couple of years on Disney Channel. Um and uh last year it it went from the I think just the US to 70 other countries last year. So um yeah, it will be it will be coming to a a screen near you for for sure this christmas because uh, i was just wondering like you know when i saw that i was just wondering like you know we just don't have a lot of newer christmas classics nowadays because every everything is just like well we already have the old stuff you know we'll just rerun know. that for how many years but it's like does, is no one gonna try to come up with a new christmas special or something right you know? well i guess you know yeah you're right because you had frosty the snowman we had we, you know we had michael keaton playing playing the snowman and um and then you know obviously all your santa stories we've got peanuts uh you know charlie brown stories um reindeers and um yeah so you would think it could should have come out earlier something about a christmas tree um but i guess it's just 
it just had to be done the right way. And and uh, Jane West Baker Inc. Um, and and Jay Baker Inc. Their husband and wife. They, they're such visionaries that they they really knew. This is was a, a classic case that they really knew exactly what they wanted. Um, uh, Jane wrote this story twenty years ago, so it's been twenty years in the making, and it came out as a hardback book at the time. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible journey as well. But, yeah, it definitely is, I think, a welcomed addition to Christmas characters uh, and, and Christmas um, classics. Um, and those aren't my words. This is what, you know, people are saying about it, that it's definitely uh, going to be a new Christmas, uh, Christmas classic. And, you know they did such a lovely job on Piney. He's pretty adorable. I mean, taking my voice away from it, if it was a cuddly toy, I mean, kids are just gotta have it. I mean, he's pretty cute. <laughs> I'm surprised that there's not, there hasn't been a lot of merchandising for this because this looks like a, a gold yeah, mine. There, yeah, there will be. It takes so much time. It's been, I've been quite close to this production because it's um, independence. Um, you can, you, you're a little bit closer to it than, than the big studios, you know, you, you, you feel closer to it because you, you're actually meeting creators and you're there on, on the ground level. Um, and, and merchandising, it will be coming. It's just, it's such a daunting task. Any of this, even just making, you know, making the production, then distribution, then international distribution. It's, it's daunting. I mean, when you really see what, what they have to go through and and that it's amazing we ever get anything <laughs> to be honest it's pretty incredible i mean that's the problem nowadays is that it wasn't like it was like back in the 80s or 90s when everything had a toy line like everything robocop yes. terminator yes. whatever everything had a toy line but now it's yeah. like unless you're an established brand you know you're not going to get a toy line and it just no. it becomes frustrating because you're like there are a lot of these great animated shows that I want to have like a physical representation of these characters that I really like, but it's just no one's making toys of them anymore. I, I know. And it's, it's a really interesting point, Abdullah, because a lot of projects get shelved because they don't see a way of making toys and merchandise. It's very it's so lucrative, obviously. Um, and there are certain uh, uh, studios let's say I won't name any but there are certain studios that are always looking for um, franchise opportunities and merchandise opportunities and uh, if they have neither it, it does shuffle down a bit um, you know and also you know I've, I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of work with Lego and look at look at the amount of Lego kits coming out now um, that are either attached to very recent releases or uh let's say back to the future they've just come out with a lego back to the future delorean from the 80s so they're even willing to go to the back catalog if it's if it's still popular um and and did you see i don't know if you saw last christmas they came out with the home alone lego set uh with kevin McAllister's house and you know the the crooks who robbed it and the whole the whole house from home alone you know it's like wow that's like early 90s i think the one that blew me away was the seinfeld department like yes, the fact that that even exists is just i know why <laughs> yeah a, a lego set of the set <laughs> 
Yeah, and the Friends. I mean, they did the Friends set of the set. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, but there's a huge demand for it. So, you know, but this is certainly a big part of the industry now is that, um, you know, if we don't make it at the box office, maybe we'll make it up in the merchandise or we'll have a huge hit at the box office and we'll have a, a huge hit with the merchandise. But as you as you said, Abdullah, we're almost expecting it now. We almost think, well, we're going on this journey with you. I, I, I want something to take away to have that's mine, whether it's Lego, whether it's a T-shirt, a hoodie, whether it's a figure, whether it's a lightsaber. Um, you know, we, we want to that experience to take away and to have in our own homes and, you know, be a part of. Yeah, um, especially like with a lot of newer Disney shows, you would think that they would be on the merchant merchandising, but there it really isn't that much merchandising for new Disney shows, and it just kind of makes me go, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is interesting. Yeah, there definitely seems to be um, uh, there definitely seems to be some some projects naturally lend themselves to to a massive amount of of merchandise. Um, you know, but I, you know, I, I'm privy to know what that entails financially and the time that it takes to get those things out and actually be on the in in the store. Um, so it it is a, a lot of a lot of time and and money uh, that goes into that. Yeah, um, that's why you know it's easy to sit here and say, well, I want an action figure or or something of this show or that show, but. Man, like the the licensing fees and the production mm -hmm. costs and all that stuff that that takes so much effort that I think sometimes people just look at that and be like, oh, uh, why bother?" You know? Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's why we're definitely seeing a huge uh, uh, um, boom in three D printing, um, and you've got very very clever people out there that are are now creating the three D files to print your own props and. Uh, figures and and you know uh, merchandise, let's say, and and make it yourself. You know, if it doesn't exist in, you know, out there, just we'll we'll create it ourselves. Now it's funny you mentioned that because I remember reading a blog post and someone was complaining that there was like too much fan-made merchandise of of popular animes or popular existing IPs, and I'm like, mm -hmm. you do realize that that though that stuff only exists because there isn't that much merchandise of the thing to begin with, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, somebody wants a specific you know uh, figure, and 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 it doesn't exist, or or if it does, it's you know, in a, a different style than the cartoon or, or the anime or the, you know, the movie. So, you know, they get and scan it in and, and do their own version of it. And and when you know how long it takes to 3D print, it's not exactly a mass production, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the time now and I just realized it's been an hour already. So Wow. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, that's great. It's great great uh, chatting with you. Um, you mentioned, I just want to get, get to this before we wrap up. Um, you mentioned sure. you do TikTok. I, I want to wonder like, how did that get, how, what, what made you want to get into that? Well, I, I think again, most people that jumped onto TikTok was during COVID and myself included. Um, you know, it was a way to, I think I, I, I never quite got into, um, uh, Instagram 
just because it was mainly just photos. Um, but when TikTok came about, that it was videos and audio and, you know, um, it had a, a greater appeal and it was a, a better way for me to, to communicate because, of course, I use my voice every day to communicate in some way, as we all do. But, you know, with what I do for a living, um, it, it definitely lended itself much better to me. So, yeah, I jumped in at the, the sort of, uh, when was it, like, yeah, around uh, Christmas, uh, January 2020. Yeah, and um, it, it, it was great. And it was a great way to, I've never heard from fans before unless I went to, you know, comic cons. So it was a, a great way to, to reach the fan bases for, for, for these franchises that I work on and stuff. And, yeah, and, and also putting that aside, it was just a great creative outlet for me. Uh, as I'm sure it was for a lot of people, just to have something outside of, of work to to create and put up and share. And yeah, it's, it's, and it's just been just such a great experience. It's just a great community. Um, it's, it's a, I think, a, a kinder community to, to some degrees. Um, and it's been a, a lovely way to, to share experiences with people. Because I watch some of your stuff and it's really interesting seeing like the the process that you, you know you come up with where it's like, okay, here's like this sound. How do I do this sound? Or how do I, you know, mm. how do I do this monologue in like X amount of seconds? And it's just really impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was as I say, it was a really a, a no holds barred kind of platform where you could just show everyone the finished shiny you know, uh, uh, end result. And you could also show them the nitty gritty side of, you know, how you create a voice, where that voice comes from, the placement, um, a little bit of behind the scenes of, of voiceover. Um, you know, so it, again, it just gave you that platform to, to show all the different aspects of voiceover. And I, I keep mine pretty specific to voiceover. That was my goal was to, yeah, let's just make this my, my voiceover kind of uh platform because um i do a lot of other stuff you know i i a gym i'm a big health advocate um I, I like to do gardening i do a lot of diy and all, all of that stuff would be interesting but I, I i felt that i really wanted to just keep this more to the to the voiceover side of jason anthony especially because um I, i'm someone who you know yeah i could listen to someone's demos on their site but i kind of I'm, I'm i'm one of those people who like needs to see the person in action just to get an idea of what their acting style is like and um your tiktok really helped me understand like what type of you know actor you are and what your process is like because i'm like okay this is pretty impressive oh thank <laughs> you yeah and it it's great for me to hear from fans because i started to do voices outside of my wheelhouse of voices that i've done you know, for, for my career. And then people started asking for impressions and can you do this? Can you do that? Um, and so that's been great for me too, because it's pushed me outside of my usual sort of comfort zone on voices. And I, I you know, they're not all winners, <laughs> but um, some of them have really hit hard. I, I mean, I do, um, I do uh, Murdoch Nichols from Gorillaz has been hugely popular um and and that was just somebody said oh wow you sound like murdoch nichols from gorillas uh obviously with the 
the British accent. But, you know, then I, then I kind of like got into studying Murdoch Nichols. Um, and, uh, well, there you go. Um, you know, and so, it, you know, I then go off and sort of think, oh, who's uh, Murdoch Nichols? Oh, right. OK. Oh, he's British. Oh, yeah, I guess he's in my. Yeah, I could. And, and so that's how that little journey began. And so um, that, that was a, a pleasant surprise from TikTok. And, and then I've just done, you know, tons and tons of different voices. Um, do you like scary movies? You know, that guy. Um, and it's just, it's just quite a joy. And, and to this day, I think I'm, I'm actually working on uh, the monologue from V, v for Vendetta. Uh, which is just the most incredible monologue. And I'm so glad somebody reminded me of it. Um, and so I'm working on that as a post. And I do it as a challenge for me. I never think, oh, this this one, well, this one's going to go viral. And, you know, it's like, yeah, this is just a good, this is a great challenge for me and, and fun to do. I th- I think that's the bottom line for me with with tiktok is if it's not fun for me to do um then uh, I, w- I won't do it so i think um anyone who's thinking of jumping into tiktok uh, try try and pick something that you really enjoy doing um and that's fun for you because um once you start building up a fan base you have got to keep that consistency going so if you pick that something that you think, oh, this might get loads of views, uh, but I hate doing it, <laughs> then that's not a good. That's not a good life life choice. Yeah, um, don't focus on uh, fame. Focus on doing what you love, really. Yeah, focus on what you're good at and what you enjoy, and um, you know that could be reviewing video games, movies. There's tons of guys that you can see they're just so passionate um about movies or specifically marvel or or they collect star wars stuff or you know i mean there's a there's a lady on there it's got millions of followers and and she's a beekeeper she goes and rescues bees i mean you know there's a pool guy on there who cleans pools swimming pools um and some of them are really nasty but he's you know it's it's his job and now he's got this incredible following and platform on TikTok. So it really has opened the door. You don't have to be, you know, uh, excel at anything. Just find something you enjoy. It could be butterfly watching, bird watching. I mean, we've all got hobbies. Um, and I think you'll very quickly get over, oh, I can't be on camera. I hate the sound of my voice. You know, <laughs> that's all part of it. You'll get over it. Just You just got to keep doing it. Um, and the the big payoff for that is when you do get the chance to connect with with fans of either your work or fans specifically of your TikTok. And, you know, you'll be surprised at the impact you can have on humanity when you get just beautiful messages from people saying, as simple as I really needed this today, thank you, or this made me laugh, I'm going through a really difficult time, um, you know, that's when you really think, oh, my gosh, you know, um, that's that's what it really is about for me anyway. Yeah, especially 
after the past two years, we we all yeah. could use like a oh. laugh right about now. We all, you know, let's be honest. You know, uh, the entertainment industry is a distraction industry, uh, but it's a good distraction and it's a much needed distraction. Um, you know, we all know at the end of the day, we're all pretending. It's all made up. But you know what? In those few minutes, hours that you're watching or playing the game, you know, it, it, it's that escapism that we want. It's to not think about what's going on in the world or personally, that we can just, can I just escape this for half an hour? 30 seconds on TikTok, whatever it is. Just, you know, and, and I think that's really uh, what the, the end goal should be, is just we're trying to create entertainment content across the board that uh, allows you, that gives you that privilege to just escape from reality for a little bit, you know. Yeah, um Again, sorry to if I had to cut this short, but uh, you know I got to get going. But sure. um, before we get before we uh, wrap up, um, can you give us an update on what you're currently working on, if you can, or um, and where can people find you online? Yeah, um, well, they can find me at TikTok at the Jason Anthony. Um, so that's that's my main social media hangout. Um, I'm on YouTube and Instagram and that, but uh, everything's linked into uh, TikTok. So at the Jason Anthony. Um, yeah, I'm working on some some amazing stuff uh, that is coming out uh, at uh, at Christmas, um, and um, I will be very excited when I can announce that. Um, normally, with all these projects because of the non-disclosure agreements until they are actually released. We can't say any specifics, but um, you'll definitely know about it. And if you follow me on TikTok, you will definitely know about it and you will definitely know this world um, that uh, that uh, we're all in. Um, so that's great. And of course, Piney the Lonesome Pine will be working its way around um, uh, the world uh, uh, again uh, at, at Christmas. Um, if you're a Warhammer fan, I've just come out in that Warhammer Three as Prince Aravale, um, so you can uh, you can see me on that. Um, yeah, and uh, I try to post on TikTok yeah, something nearly nearly every day. Um, so um, yeah, follow us on on TikTok. It'd be great great to hear from you. All right, thanks so much for taking the time up to do this. This has been a lot of fun, and we got to get you back when all those NDAs lift. <laughs> yeah, definitely, Abdullah. Definitely, I'd love that. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.